expectations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Something that has happened to me and my wife recently is that we have realized that we are going to be teaching our children more than we expected. We have been planning this out and figuring out how we are going to pursue our, our careers and, and train our children. The Austin Independent School District let out a website that they put together in four minutes that, that was actually easier to navigate than their fancy website. It was kind of helpful, but it's still, it's, it's ominous figuring out how, how to, to go forward. Our, our first grader, Dominic, is, is doing pretty well. And we're excited. He's, he's reading and stretching his imagination. Our four-year-old is in the why stage. The, the why stage is when you explain something like, oh, Dada, why is the sky blue? And you may explain it because, just because it is, or it's an atmospheric reflection of, of space. And then they just say, why, again? And why? And he, he's like, I just answered that question. Why? I just answered. The answer I gave you is the answer to the question that you just asked me. And they keep on going with, with these whys. Whys and whys and whys. My brothers and sisters, this right now is a season of why. Why are we not in church today? Why is this virus spreading all over the world? Why are... 80% of the people infected don't get really sick, and 20% get super sick. Why do certain populations respond in this way? Why, some may ask, did God do this to us? The why questions, they can go on and on and on, and we can be consumed by them. My brothers and sisters, we are continuing a series here at Berkeley called The Lost Art of Finding Our Way. And I feel, speaking for myself, that I can speak for many people, that we are in a place we did not expect to be. As a, as a country, as a city, as a church, as families, as people, this was not, when you were going through your New Year's resolution, social distancing in March was not one of those things to check off the box. I saw a story about a group of, of canoers and, and whitewater rapids folks that went in the Grand Canyon in February, were gone for 25 days, and they came back, and the world was different. The world was different. If we look back, if we had a note to ourselves three weeks ago, other than selling all our stocks, what would we tell ourselves? The world is different. Why? Is this happening? In the Gospel of John, a reading for today, John chapter 9, Jesus is walking along. This is what Jesus often does. And he saw a man who was blind from birth. Jesus saw this man, and the disciples asked him, the disciples asked him, the friends of Jesus, asked him, Rabbi, who sinned so that he was born blind? the man or his parents. Now part of this question is just silly on, on the disciples' part. How, you know, I guess they have an idea of a fetus sinning. I don't know what's going on there. How could the man sin before he's born? 
But still, it's this causality question. It's this why question. Why did this happen? Jesus, why did this happen? In many ways, they are asking this question, as many of us ask this question, because we are looking for a scapegoat. We are looking for someone to blame. Because if we can find someone to blame, someone else there, someone, someone out there, if this person is born blind because of something he did, then I don't have to worry about being blind. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen to me. If I can figure out what happened to him, I don't have to worry about what happens is going to happen to me. What happens, though, is Jesus flips this scapegoating around. Jesus heals the man. He says, he does not say this happened because this this person sinned or his parents sinned. He said it happened, and now God can be glorified through it. Jesus avoids the causality. He's not trying to answer the question because he sees that the question itself comes from a place that isn't quite strong enough. The question misses the point. That why question that the, the disciples had misses the point and wants to put God into this box of control. But the gospel writer John goes further and shows, shows how that's not how where Jesus fits. It says in verse 18, the Jewish leaders didn't believe the man had been blind and received his sight until they called for his parents. They didn't believe this guy who was seeing had been healed. The Jewish leaders asked him, is this your son? Are you saying he was born blind? How can now he see? His parents answered, we know he is our son. We know he was born blind. But we don't know how he sees. Ask him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. Ask him. Therefore, they called a second time for the man who had been born blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know this man is a sinner. They asked him, Give glory to God. This Jesus, we know he's a sinner. But the man answered, the man born blind, he said, I don't know whether he is a sinner. Here's what I do know. I was blind, and now I see. I was blind, but now I see. He didn't look to why, what was going on with Jesus, or the causality of Jesus. He didn't dig into it because there's that there's that trap you can get into of the why game of why did this happen and why did this happen when the question what is going to satisfy you what is going to satisfy them the only thing that was going to satisfy the Pharisees is calling Jesus a sinner many of us have been blinded living for ourselves been blinded by habits been blinded of our our ways of life in this society, of what has changed over the last two weeks, where we don't, we can't do all the things we wanted to do, we used to do. There are some people in our society who have always struggled to find what they can at the grocery store, who have always struggled to get what they can from, from doctors and from health care workers, who have always struggled to figure out where their kid's place is 
in school who have always struggled to maintain a job and then not knowing what's going to happen the next week. There are always people who have suffered in this way and now that life is expanded to so many. So many not knowing how long your job is going to last, not knowing how long, what is going to happen the next week. Many of us, and me included, have been blinded so much in looking for ourselves, looking out for ourselves. Instead of just responding as that man did, I don't know what is going on. I don't know all the answers to the world. But I know that I once was blind and now I see. That we can see as God sees. We can see our neighbors, not as scapegoats. We can see other countries in the world, not as scapegoats to blame, but as other children of God. God's call for us as a church, God's call for us as Christians, as believers, as humans, is greater than scapegoating. It's greater than looking out for ourselves. It's greater than walking around and asking questions until we get the answer we want to hear, which is what the Pharisees are doing. They ask the man three times to try and get an answer that they want. They want him to say that Jesus is a sinner. They want an excuse. So many of us want an excuse to justify our way of life, to justify what we have been doing. But God's call is greater. In the Sermon on the Mount, after going through the Beatitudes, Jesus says to the people who have gathered, you are the salt of the earth. He says, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill can't be hidden. Jesus calls us to be a city on a hill, not a fortress up above the world with our noses held high, our chins up, looking down on everybody but a way station of God's grace in the midst of a broken world. We, the answer to the why question is found in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Why is this pandemic happening? Why are people getting sick? Is, is why the world is broken and in need of a savior. As many have pointed out, people have always been getting sick. There have always been people going to hospitals. There's always been people dying in tragedies like, like that. What as Christians this points to, we shouldn't hide from the news. We shouldn't plug our ears and sing our little ditties and pretend and wait until this goes away. But remember that the brokenness of the world is why Jesus came to begin with to bring healing to us. To bring healing to those who are sick in body, to bring healing to those who are sick in their souls, to bring healing to those who are sick in loneliness, in despair. Despair is a lack of hope. Those who are sick with a lack of hope for the future. By showing us that death does not have the victory over us, by showing us that we do not need to be afraid of this world because we know who has the power over life and death, of showing us that we don't need to look for all our answers at the different causalities of the world, that we can respond gracefully and graciously. We can be reasonable people. We can, we can 
not badmouth others and not scapegoat others. We can also look out who are the people who are suffering most now. And many of the people who are suffering now are the people who were suffering a month ago. Now we can't go out and serve in the same ways we have before because of, because of the nature of, of the coronavirus, the nature of what happens with, with COVID-19, the nature of, of our hospital and healthcare system, the nature of the limited amount of ICU beds and, and ventilators and face masks and all the things that are needed to protect those who are vulnerable. We cannot do those things, we did, but we can do new things. Together we can learn new things. We can practice new ways of caring for others. New ways of maybe washing your hands really well and sharing a meal on your neighbor's doorstep. Sharing a dessert, a scone. <laughs> offering something, figuring out who close to you is running out of toilet paper. Working and, and caring for each other. We can, we can share and build up this city on a hill that is not a fortress and show the world how we can live and how we can offer grace and hope and peace in this time. That Christ is with you, my brothers and sisters. If you are feeling alone at this time, if you are feeling scared and nervous, you are not alone. God is with you. You are loved. If you are thinking back to last week and maybe you went out when you shouldn't have, you are, you are forgiven. We need to let go of those things that we have done and step forward into the faith that God has for us. That is the lost art of finding our way. Realizing that we are forgiven, we don't need to replay our past in order to step into our future. Grace is there for us. If you went out last week when you shouldn't, just don't go out this week. Wash your hands. Say a prayer. Say a kind word. Last week I encouraged people to write letters. Maybe this week would be another good time to write letters. Maybe a phone call. Maybe a phone call to someone you haven't talked to in a long time. Saying, I don't have anything, no agenda. I have no agenda. I just wanted to tell you I've been thinking about you. And I care about you. And if you got to go, I understand. But I'd love to know what's going on in your life right now. Maybe an email. Some concrete way of connecting. God is with you, my brothers and sisters. We are not alone. Remember that the why, the end of the why question, is the cross and the empty tomb. We are in the season of Lent. We are in the season of preparing our hearts for resurrection. Is it again? You continue this work of self-examination, of preparing your hearts of preparing your soul. May you not close off your soul as you stay in your home, but open yourself up to God's power in new and exciting ways. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.